ain't you glad you came to church today? <laughs> Man, I, I can't tell you what a blessing it's been to uh, watch these kids lead us and, and um, let's just give them another round of applause. But one person, I don't even know where she is, one person that, oh, there she is, that doesn't get enough credit is Bree. And she'll get up here and she'll say, oh, I get to serve, blah, 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 blah. But she is the leader. She leads it. And she is doing an incredible, incredible job. And we are so grateful that God has blessed us with her uh, to lead our, our students. And I can't wait for my kids um, to be under her leadership. But um, have you ever felt tired, just exhausted? And I'm not talking about physically exhausted. Um, I'm talking about emotionally and spiritually drained. Maybe things just aren't going the way you thought they were gonna go. Maybe you had a picture in your mind and, and nothing is like that picture. And as a result, you're just tired and you're just drained. Your energy is just all gone. 12 years ago, I remember sitting on a, a set of stairs at a, the school in Puerto Rico that I worked at. I, I was a teacher at the school, but I ended up taking a second job there, um, helping with the after-school program. So I'd help kids with their homework. Once we were done with the homework, we would uh, go and play in the courtyard or uh, while we waited for parents to come in and pick them up. And I remember sitting there that day, uh, the, the sound and the laughter and of the kids playing, it, it filled the air, but that joy, it just kind of bounced off me because I just kind of sat there on those stairs, just staring at the ground, zoned out, just stuck in question, stuck in my thoughts. I, I usually spent that day playing with the kids, playing basketball, hide and go seek, you, you name it, we played it. Uh, but that day, I, I was just tired. I was drained. I felt like all the energy had gone out of me. I'd been there a little over a month at that point, and it was my first year there. I, it had been my dream for the past eight years to live there and, and work at that school, and there I was living it out. But I sat there that day wondering why it had been so hard. Why did I feel so disconnected? Why did I feel so lonely? If this was where God wanted me to be, what he wanted me to be doing, why, why was this first month so hard? From the minute I got to Puerto Rico and nothing went the way I planned on, on the plane ride there, my laptop died. Uh, when I got to the airport, there was no one there to pick me up. So I had to wait for hours until someone eventually did come. Um, I found out my apartment wasn't ready. So I had to sleep on the floor at the church for about a week. Uh, I felt like the other teachers didn't like me. I felt like the parents didn't believe in me. Uh, I felt like I had zero control over my my classroom. I had no car, so I was having to walk everywhere. I had little money, little food. I was honestly struggling to see God working at all. Was he even moving at all? I would wonder. After a month, I, I felt he hadn't even shown up. And all these things, though they seem small, they, they continue just to pile up on one another and, and add up one by one, starting to drain all of my excitement, starting to drain my energy. I began to question absolutely everything as a result. I began to question myself. 
Maybe I wasn't capable of doing this, I thought. I remember praying each night, asking God for help, asking God to sustain me. I remember asking God, where exactly are you? I've been so excited, so excited to live out God's dream for my life, so energized, but there sitting on those stairs, questioning everything, all I felt was fear. All I felt was doubt, doubt in myself, doubt that God was even working feeling unloved, feeling abandoned, feeling like I was on the wrong path. I I felt like just giving up. So have you been there? Maybe energized, maybe excited, charged full of energy to do something good, maybe to do something for God. You're so excited to see what God is gonna do in your life as you continue down the path that he's laid out for you. But then things just don't seem to go the way you had planned. And then here comes doubt, here comes worry, here comes fear. And slowly that energy begins to be drained. Your excitement begins to deplete because maybe you begin to question yourself. You start to give in to the doubt. You give in to the fear and you begin to question your capabilities. You begin to question whether you have what it takes to live your life loving and serving God. You begin to wonder, does he even love me? What do I have to do to get him to show up in my life? Uh, How and when will he even use me for something good? And each question, each moment of doubt and fear, it begins to drain your energy. Each one a temptation to shift your eyes away from God. The worry begins to control you. The uncertainty begins to drain you. And soon, instead of being full of energy and excited to live your life for God, you begin to feel sluggish. You begin to even be hesitant to even come to church. How can we avoid that? How can we avoid being drained? How can we fight against that temptation to shift our eyes away from God? What can charge us up? What can energize us to keep going and keep growing no matter what? How can we connect to that power source? How can we have strong perseverance in the face of whatever might try to drain us or dismay us? In the book of Matthew, we find Jesus. uh, He's approaching the Jordan River. In the Jordan River is a man named John. And John is in that river and he's baptizing people. So Jesus, he approaches John and he says, I would like you to baptize me. And John says, absolutely no way. I know who you are and I am not worthy to baptize you. Uh, But Jesus, he insists. So John agrees and they head into the water and John, he holds on to Jesus and he begins to dunk Jesus into the river and brings him up slowly. As Jesus came up out of the water, something incredible happens. Here's what the Bible says. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened. Jesus saw the spirit of God coming down on him like a dove. A voice from heaven said, this is my son and I love him. I am very pleased with him. A declaration by God heard by everyone there. This is my son. After this, Jesus went off to be alone. He, he headed into the wilderness, into the desert where no one else would, would be. His intention was to spend some alone time with God, a, a time of fasting and, and praying to prepare him for ministry, uh, this ministry that he was about to embark on because at this point he hadn't done anything yet. Uh, No teaching, no miracles, nothing. And so you can imagine Jesus as he entered into the wilderness uh, with the voice of God echoing in his head, this is my son. 
and I love him. Jesus went into that time in the wilderness anchored in the love of God. Jesus spends 40 days and 40 nights fasting and praying. I'm sure it was a hard 40 days. I'm, I'm sure he was hungry at the end, but I'm also sure he was energized, ready to live out God's will and start his ministry. At the end of those 40 days, though, he, he was going to have a visitor. This, this visitor was Satan, the devil. As Satan came to tempt Jesus. Satan's goal was to bring question into Jesus' mind, hoping to shift Jesus' eyes away from God, attempting to drain the energy from Jesus, the energy Jesus had just been charged up with during those 40 days of prayer. Jesus, 40 days before this, right? He had identified with sinners through baptism. Though he was sin-free, he was blameless, he took to the water to be baptized. And now as Satan approaches after those 40 days in the desert, Jesus would, would identify with sinners once again in severe temptation. A wild contrast, right? The, the glory of God that poured down as Jesus was baptized, the crowd of people present at the baptism, the excitement in the air, the voice of God calling Jesus his son. And now in the heat of the desert, Far from the cool waters of the Jordan River, no, no large crowds in sight, only solitude and silence, no voice bellowing out from heaven, but instead a hiss from the tempter Satan. From the water of baptism to the fire of temptation, first the heavens opened up and now hell. I feel like we experience the same thing in life. We have moments, we have weeks where we feel like everything is going well. We feel like our relationship with God is, is doing so good. We feel like we can see, see him moving in so many different ways. But then we have moments in the desert, feeling alone, feeling tired, feeling hungry. And that's when we hear the hiss. That's when the questioning comes. The lies come to attempt to shift our eyes away from God, to attempt to drain us. And you can imagine Jesus at this point, maybe on his knees, tired after those 40 days, thankful for his alone time, but now looking forward to being with people again, looking forward to some food. And then here comes the devil, ready to hiss, hoping to catch Jesus while he's weak, ready to hiss lies into the ear of the son of God. Satan's first hiss, his first temptation for Jesus was an attempt to make Jesus prove himself. Here's what the Bible says. The tempter came to him. He said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. If you are, if you are the son of God, just do this. Satan, he wasn't necessarily questioning Jesus's status as the son of God. He was challenging him to prove it, uh, to demonstrate it through miraculous works. He was tempting Jesus to believe that his value only rested in what he could do. You're the son of God. Okay, since you are, do this miracle and prove it. Satan was attempting to drain Jesus' energy by planting a seed in his head, one that would make him question himself, one that would attempt to make him believe that he had to prove or convince himself that he was worthy. Can you hear the hiss? Can you hear the lie? This is a lie that Satan tries to make us believe as well. Often we're led to believe that our value only comes from what we can do or, or what we have achieved. Sometimes we even connect that to God's love. God will only love us if we're good at this or if we achieve that. This constant feeling of having to prove ourselves to others or this feeling that we have to prove our worth to God in order to receive his love, it is draining. 
The only value you have rests in what you can do, so prove it. That's the lie Satan was trying to make Jesus believe, the lie he attempts to make us believe. But Jesus, he responds to this lie by, by quoting scripture. Here's what the Bible says. Jesus answered, it is written, man must not live only on bread. He must also live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That comes from a verse in the book of Deuteronomy in the Bible. Jesus is saying, I'm not concerned about what this world has to offer. I'm not concerned about the bread of this world. I don't have to prove myself because I know the truth. I know what has come directly from the mouth of God. And, and Jesus, not only did he know it from the scriptures, but he had heard it with his own ears. And 40 days before, Jesus heard the voice of God proclaim, this is my son and I love him. So he was not gonna give that lie another thought. He was not going to allow that lie to drain him of any energy. He was anchored in the love of God. And that's exactly where we need to be. When that very same lie attempts to drain us, we have to remind ourselves of God's love. God's love is not based on what you can do or what you achieve. You don't have to prove yourself to him. God values you for who you are, not what you can do. We need to anchor ourselves in his love at all times. We need to remind ourselves that he loves us no matter what. Because when we are plugged into God's love, we are not drained, but we are energized. The energy we get from his love will aid us in giving, will, will aid us in not giving into the lie that we have to prove ourselves or do something to have value in the eyes of God. The second hiss, the second temptation for Jesus uh, was for him to try and force God to make a spectacle for everyone to see. Then the devil took Jesus to the holy city. He, he had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. It is written, the Lord will command his angels to take good care of you. They will lift you up in their hands, then you won't trip over a stone. Satan now is even quoting scripture trying to trick Jesus. But the difference is Satan is using the verse out of context and with the intent to confuse. He's saying, look, if you are the son of God, just jump off. God will save you and everyone is going to see it. Imagine how good it is going to feel for this whole city to see you lifted up in such a magnificent way. Once again, the soft and subtle hiss the lie it's used in an attempt to drain us finds its way into our ears. We're wanting God to move in our lives, right? We're wanting God to do something to show up when we want him to show up, to do what we want. Wanting God to prove that he's there, not just for our benefit, but for the benefit of others around us to see it. So it makes us look good. Almost as if our acceptance from God and others rests in how much God is working in our lives, how well things are going and how many people see that work being done. We're terrified of feeling rejected, terrified of feeling abandoned. So we drain ourselves. We sell pieces of our souls to be accepted. Jesus, he responds to Satan's lies once again with scripture. But Jesus, he uses the scripture in the, in the right context. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not test the Lord, your God. Another verse from Deuteronomy Jesus is saying, God does not have to prove himself to anyone. You don't have to test him to show that he cares for you. You don't have to test him to prove that he's moving in your life. If you're constantly testing someone to prove themselves, it doesn't show much trust, does it? Don't test God, trust God. 
As we hear the hiss, as we hear the lie attempting to make us believe that we are rejected by God and others, we can be reminded that we are deeply loved and highly favored by God. We are accepted by him no matter what. Don't listen to the lie. Trust God and rest in his acceptance because when we are plugged into God's acceptance, we are not drained, but we are energized. And the energy we get from resting in his acceptance will aid us in not worrying about what others think. It will aid us in trusting God no matter what. There's no need for him to prove anything to us and no need for us to have to prove anything to anyone else. Satan's third hiss, his third lie in the ear of Jesus was a temptation for an easy way out. Finally, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain. He showed him all the kingdoms, all the world and their glory. If you bow down and worship me, he said, I'll give you all of this. Satan is saying, just forget about the cross. You don't have to suffer. You can have all the power, all the glory right now. Satan offers Jesus a way around the cross, trying to, to entice him with power and property with a simple gesture of bowing down, meaning that there would be no need to suffer it's also the same lie that Satan told in the Garden of Eden. Do this and you will be like God. You can have the same power and dominion just like that. We all know how that ended. Adam and Eve both gave in to the lie and, and sin came into the world. God created the world in love and desired for it all to live in unity. The lies of Satan led Adam and Eve away from God's purpose. And here Satan is attempting once again to do it by leading Jesus away from the cross, God's purpose, God's rescue for us all, God's promise of unity once again. Often in life, Satan will try to drain us with the same lie. Turn away from God's path. There's this whole world of pleasure and freedom that you get to rule if you do, often making us believe that, that God's way is too hard. There's a chance we might have to suffer or experience hardship, so just avoid it altogether. As we give in, as our, sh our, our eyes shift away from God onto this easier path, we begin to lose energy and this lie, it begins to drain us. We begin to realize that this world of pleasure and freedom, it actually leads to captivity, captivity of shame and regret, captivity of sin. So Jesus, he responds, Jesus said to him, get away from me, Satan. It is written, worship the Lord your God. He is the only one you should serve. One last verse from Deuteronomy. Jesus was saying, I will not bow down to you. I will not give in to the lies, even if it's an easy way out. I will worship and serve my Lord, my God, no matter what. And as we worship God and only God, as we serve God and only God, as we keep our eyes fixed on him, we begin to realize that his purpose for us is beneficial. Even if it's hard at times, it's worth it. As we begin to see his plan unfold in our lives, we begin to see the fruit that it bears. His purpose not draining, but energizing us, leading us to trust him even more as we continue down that path, down his path, plugged into God's purpose. We are not drained, but we are energized. And that energy we get from following God's purpose in our lives, it is revitalizing it changes everything. As we seek his purpose, we are no longer drowning in question, no longer worried because we know that his purpose, even though it's hard sometimes, his purpose will bring goodness to our lives. And as we follow him and his purpose, we begin to see the benefits that it has in so many different aspects of our life. 
sitting on those stairs, staring at the ground, uh, feeling unloved, feeling abandoned, feeling like I was on the wrong path. I was overwhelmed and I was drained. I was probably a sore sight to see. One of my students, she came and sat next to me. And since it was my first year, my first month being there, all the kids were constantly asking me questions. They wanted to know about my life back home, um, my likes, my dislikes, everything. Um, and, and so this student, she, she sat next to me and, and she asked me, well, why did I come to Puerto Rico? Uh, why did I choose to work at that school? So I gave her a brief, brief history rundown of why I made the decision that I'd been coming to Puerto Rico and to the school since I was a sophomore in college, how for over eight years it had been my dream to move to Puerto Rico and work at that school. I shared with her how I felt like God had given me that dream, that, that he wanted me to come there. I continued to go into detail about all the things I loved about that school, all the things that I loved about Puerto Rico. I, I told her how much I loved being a teacher, how uh, I loved the kids at that school. I, I told her, you guys fill me with so much joy. Uh, I smiled and she smiled. And then she asked me what I've done in Puerto Rico since I got there and I was kind of embarrassed because uh, I hadn't done much. I was working so many hours at the school that I would just go home. And then on the weekend, I didn't have a car, so I couldn't really go many places. Um, and after that, she asked me a question that I'll never forget. She asked me, where do you live? I said, I live in Puerto Nuevo. I have an apartment there. And that's the section of San Juan I lived in. And she said, no, 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 mister, no. Where do you live? Where are, are you now? And I said, well, Puerto Rico, duh. Um, and she replied, then live here. She said to me, you are so excited to come here, but it, it doesn't seem like you actually live here. And she got up and she went off to play with the other kids and I kind of sat there confused for a bit. But then I realized she was right. I'd been so focused on what was going wrong, so focused on the things not going the, the way I had pictured them to be. I was neglecting to appreciate where I was, how, how far I had come. I'd been living in question, living in fear, living in worry and doubt, neglecting to embrace the fact that my dream had come true, neglecting to fully embrace the realization that I, I lived in Puerto Rico, that I was led there by the love of God, resting in his acceptance, neglecting to embrace that I, I was living out God's purpose and that's all that should matter. After that day, I was different. I was ready to live my life in Puerto Rico no matter what it looked like, no matter what went right, what went wrong. I was ready to live out God's purpose, to be anchored in his love and resting in his acceptance, fully trusting him to lead the way I, I continued to live there another five years. Some of the best years of my life, a piece of my heart, a piece of my soul will always live there. I will forever be grateful for the time I got to spend there. And for the people that I met there, where do you live today? Are you living in fear, living in the worry, living in constant question, constantly feeling like you have to prove yourself, waiting for God to show up, your eyes shifting off God to an easier path? 
Living drained and lacking perseverance, that's exactly where the devil wants us to live. He wants us drained and at our weakest. He wants us constantly wondering where God is, constantly questioning ourselves, constantly in fear. Fear that we are not capable, fear that we are not enough. In the Bible, there's a young man named Timothy. Now, Timothy, he, he was super young when he started his ministry and pastored a church in a place called Ephesus. And even though he had people like the Apostle Paul mentoring him and encouraging him, Timothy felt like he was not enough. He felt like he couldn't do it. And he was afraid. Paul would write Timothy letters encouraging him. And those letters are recorded in the Bible, First and Second Timothy. In one of those letters, Paul writes to Timothy, he says this, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Paul is basically telling Timothy, God did not give you that spirit of fear. That is not from God. The word spirit in Greek, it was a word called pneuma, like pneumonia, which literally translates to breath or wind. God did not breathe fear into you, Timothy. So think about this. What did God breathe into us? In the Garden of Eden, God assembled dust and breathed his breath into our lungs. That's how we got life. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus with our salvation, the Holy Spirit came like a wind, breathed into our hearts, regenerating us with brand new life. And so when we're feeling drained, feeling like we're not enough, feeling full of fear, we need to breathe it all out. Exhale. God did not give us that fear. And my friends, if God did not give it to us, we don't have to keep it. Breathe it out and allow God to breathe into you. He won't breathe fear or worry into us. He will breathe love into us, acceptance and purpose. He will breathe life into us. He will breathe resurrection power into us. He will breathe perseverance, strong perseverance into us. But how do we do it? As we're overwhelmed, living in question, living in fear, feeling drained, the lies hissing in our ears, that we need to prove ourselves, that we've been rejected, that there's an easier path. How do we breathe all of that out and breathe in God's spirit? How did Jesus do it? Do you remember? It is written. Jesus responded to every temptation with the word of God, God's truth. During all three of those temptations, faced with lie after lie, Jesus showed the only effective counter to that kind of deception is God's truth, God's word, not man's wisdom. First, we must see the temptation for what it is, a, a lie, a lie that will inevitably leave us drained, a, a lie that was not breathed into us by God, a lie we do not have to keep. And then we must combat those lies with the word of God. We must always build ourselves up in the truth of God and have it in our heart. While rooted in prayer and God's word, we can avoid what drains us and become energized through God's truth. And his truth is his love, his acceptance, and his purpose. When we hear the hiss, when we hear the lie, when we feel like we are in the heat of the desert and we are all alone, we can be reminded it is Written, when we feel like we have to prove ourselves in order to receive love, we can be reminded it is written. I am absolutely sure that not even death or life can separate us from God's love. Not even angels or demons, the present or the future, or any powers can separate us. Not even the highest places or the lowest or anything else in all creation can separate us. Nothing at all can ever separate us from God's love. That's because of what Christ Jesus, our Lord, has done. We anchor ourselves in God's 
God's love. We are reminded that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Next, when we feel rejected, drained as we are tempted to test God instead of trust him, we can be reminded it is written, but God chose you to be his people. You are royal priests. You are a holy nation. You are God's special treasure. You are all these things so that you can give him praise. God brought you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You, all of you, are God's special treasure. Because of Jesus, we are accepted by God and cherished by him. We can trust God and rest in his acceptance. Lastly, when we feel like going out of God's purpose, allowing fear to lead us down a different path, an easier path, we can be reminded it is written, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. His plan, his purpose for you is for you to prosper, to grow, to learn, to know hope, to know peace because of Jesus. As we follow his path, as we follow his purpose, not only do we prosper, but we become a light leading others to that very same path, a path to live in him, not in fear, not in question, not in worry, no longer allowing the hiss in our ear to dictate what we do. Because the truth is, no matter what, that hiss is going to come. No matter what we do, Satan is going to try and sell us on lie after lie after lie. I'll be honest with you. Every time I sit down to write a sermon, there's a lie in the back of my head that tells me you can't do it. All your other sermons, they, they were all flukes. You're, you're done. Just go up. Give up. Go find a different job. And each time that happens, I try to remind myself that it is written that I can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives me strength. Because here's something I know about those lies. They do not have plans to prosper me. They have plans to destroy Plans to ruin what God has in store. Had I given in to those lies in Puerto Rico? Had I allowed the fear to remain? Had I chosen not to live there, not to really live there? I would have missed out on part of the most beautiful purpose that God has blessed me with my amazing family, my wife and two boys. I met my wife my second year in Puerto Rico. Had I given in to the fear, had I left Puerto Rico, I never would have met her. She's part of my purpose. We got married and now we are blessed with two amazing boys, part of our purpose. Whew. My oldest son, David, he's decided today that he wants to be baptized. To breathe in the breath of God, to breathe in new life. At the very end of the service, we will sing a song. And one of the lines in the song is, hell has lost another one today. I am free and that is true for my son. So I will not believe the lies. Don't you tell me that my God is not working. Don't you tell me that my God is not moving. Don't you tell me that my God can't do it because my beautiful family is living proof of God's truth in my life. 
So no matter what lie, no matter what hiss enters into our ear, may we all be reminded it is written, it is done. The battle has been fought. The war has been won. The devil has been defeated. And Jesus has been seated at the right hand of God. And he is king. But it takes effort. (laughs) It takes all of us working together, living together, building each other up like a family. And so we've decided we want to do something special together as a church family. Uh, Remember when Jesus went out into the wilderness, what charged him up? Uh, What helped him battle the devil? 40 days of prayer, right? And so we've created a a 40 days of prayer guide. One of our pastors, Dave Meeting, he did an incredible job putting it together. Um, And so we want to give that to you guys today. And and so for the next 40 days, we want you to join us in praying each day. 40 days of connecting with God, just like Jesus did in the wilderness. 40 days of building yourself up in God's truth upon God's word. 40 days of being charged up, keeping you from being drained. 40 days of allowing God to breathe into you. And so as you leave today, if you're here in the room, uh, our amazing guest services difference makers will be handing those guides out to you. If you're joining us online, we have it in a digital format. You can, you can get it there. You could always come to the church to get it a physical copy, but let's do this together. Let's anchor ourselves in his love. Let's rest in his acceptance and follow his purpose so that we can have strong perseverance no matter what. And if you've come today, and you're feeling drained, you're feeling like the energy inside of you just been escaped, and you need prayer today, there will be people down here to pray for you as these amazing kids sing the next song. Or if you've come today and you want to experience baptism, if you're ready to breathe in God, to breathe in new life, the water will be ready and I will be baptizing my son with my dad. Um, but first, uh, before we get into this next song, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. I know right now in, in, in this room, there are people who know that you have shown up in their lives, that you've done things, that you've answered prayer. And, and for those that are uh, feeling like they wish you'd show up, well, we just pray that you would give them the patience, give them what they need so that they could keep their eyes fixed on you. So that no matter what, they would rest in your love, rest in your acceptance, and rest in your purpose. We thank you for Jesus being the ultimate example for us. Showing us how we can defeat the lies. How, how, how we can avoid the hiss. And how we can remain in you thanks to your truth. And we thank you for all that you've done. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wired podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.